Hi there, church family. It's good to be with you today for our midweek sermon recap. We try to do each and every week as we get together. It's Monday for us. I know this comes out on Wednesdays, but it's Monday uh, for us. We try to do it while it's a little bit fresh in our minds. But this week we are in Psalm 16 because we've been going through some psalms, which we'll continue to do through August at least. Uh, But Psalm 16 is where we were, and we had Lord's Supper together this past week. And Psalm 16 is helpful, I think, in leading into Lord's Supper, especially because of verses 9 and 10 that speak of of resurrection, that speak of um, salvation, uh, which we looked at and which we'll probably get to as we discuss uh, some today. Uh, We do not have Spencer with us again. We're thinking about booting him out. I am. Seems to go better without him. It does. Yeah. So it's a lot more interesting. <laughs> yeah. It's just crisper. It just seems to be done a lot. Nice Flawless. Show. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have messed up recordings or weird yeah. music playing. Start over when him saying, I didn't record this whole time. Oh, okay. <laughs> I heard about that happening. <laughs> oh, that was awesome. <laughs> oh, Psalm 16. Dave, you, I told you I was doing Psalm 16. You said you like Psalm 16, yeah. didn't you? It's probably one of my favorites. I think, uh, especially the, um, the verse 11. Um, in your presence is fullness of joy. It's probably one of my favorite verses. So, yeah, it's a good one. You said you did it in Sunday school or something not too long ago? Uh, yep, I it sure was did. part of Sunday mm-hmm. school. Yeah, was, yeah, I referenced that, that. Oh, I just referenced yeah. it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep, it's good. Yeah, we have a Psalm of David here. Uh, as I had mentioned, theologian stuff call this like David's jewel or David's golden psalm um, just because of the proclamation of, of praise and adoration uh, that we see in it. and But what is interesting is, I didn't mention it, but if you look at Psalm 15, Psalm 15 and 16 kind of flow um, together. What can happen as you read 15 and 16, which I guess I'll read 15 real quick. It's not too, it's not too big. It says, O Lord, who shall sojourn in your tent? Who shall dwell on your holy hill? So the question of who can be yours, basically. He who walks blamelessly and does what is right and speaks truth in his heart, who does not slander with his tongue and does no evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his friend, and whose eyes a vile person is despised, but who honors those who fear the Lord, who swears to his own hurt and does not change, who does not put out his money at interest and does not take a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things shall never be moved. That coupled with uh, 16 that we read is very works righteousness feeling and sounding. And so when we went through the Psalm together, I tried to, uh, lean into that some while I was going through the Psalm, um, because I want to read it as it is. And it, it does come across that way is those, uh, who take refuge in God, who seek after him. This is what he does. He, he blesses them. We see in Psalm 16 or who can be God's 15 talks about that who walks blamelessly, who does what is right, who does not slander, whose eyes a vile person is despised, all this, all these things. And so one could read verses, uh, I'm sorry, not verses, chapters 15 and 16, and come across saying, okay, here is the standard by which I need to live by in order to not see corruption, right? In order to be saved. This is what I have to be. Um. And that is a lot (laughs) when you read it. But sadly, I think a lot of people, I think a lot of church people, I think even a lot of Christians um, try to live by this standard constantly. And uh, as a result, they don't have much peace. They 
what you said, Dave, in verse 11, really isn't a part of their life. Mm-hmm. Um, they want it to be. They, they want to have fullness of joy in God's presence. They want to have pleasures forevermore at the right hand of God. They want to experience this. But in their mind, in order to experience this, they have to live faithfully to chapter 15 and 16. And what they find out day in and day out is it's just not, uh, it's just not doable. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just a weight that's too heavy. And then their faith almost becomes another burden mm-hmm. that they have to bear, uh, a burden that they have to, uh, live up to and something that they have to achieve. And that can be, um, extremely difficult. I mean, as I say this, I ask you guys, do you think I'm right in saying that? Is this something you guys see uh, in people or in uh, Christian people even? Is this is this seem to be common where after you talk to them, they just seem to be burdened by things that you want to tell them, brother, this isn't your load to bear, you know, almost. So you guys, you guys come across this often or is this something that I'm kind of making up? I mean, yeah, I think, <clears throat> I mean, it's almost like, yeah, I know God loves me and I know that, his promises are true, but I just have to make sure that I'm doing enough so he's happy, you know? And there's that, I mean, I think because it's the water we drink in our culture, you know, meaning we're, we're conditioned to perform, we're conditioned. You, you mentioned like the coach analogy, you know, and I, I think for me, like growing up, especially in a Catholic background, I, I, I always kind of was a, like, looked at God almost like a cosmic cop, you know, like, oh yeah. man, he's gonna, he's gonna bust me. And, um, you know, so there's, there's these misconstrued ideas that are not at all scriptural, but people, you know, especially I see like growing up in church and if you've grown up in a kind of a legalistic type of environment or you're, you're you're told certain things that you should do and not do that can really sink in. And, and you're right. And then it's like, they're, Oh yeah, I, I really want to, you know, delight myself in the Lord and all that, but I'm just, I gotta, I gotta do more, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think you, you touched on that and, and, uh, and it was really, it was good because I think that, I think it speaks the language, you know, to the people and for sure. So, yeah. yeah I mean the, the blessings that are in Psalm 16, are blessings that Christians have, yeah, but they only have them because they're in Christ, mm-hmm. and that's where you ended up going in your sermon. So, like, I think we can read that and say, yes, I do have that. I do have a glorious inheritance. I can be comforted because God is with me mm-hmm. in this. But that's what you have as you're in Christ. You know, apart from Him, you you don't have any of this peace, right? right? You don't have any of that joy. And so, being in Christ is how you have that, mm-hmm. not by earning it, not by performing to the level of Psalm 15, mm-hmm. right, that it's talking about there. So, yeah, I mean, as as a, as a Christian in Christ, I think you can have joy and that peace, but <clears throat> it's, it's, it's a result of the salvation that you have in Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's the promise that we have to remember, right? It's not conditional. Yeah. It's given. Yeah. It's given to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the guy who was here speaking at our men's conference, uh, Last year, uh, John Moffat, in his podcast uh, recently, the title was, Does Preaching Grace Lead to Sin? Mm -hmm. And that is a fear, I think, of a lot of preachers, is if all I do is preach grace, my people are going to think it's okay to just sin because grace covers it. And so what happens then is you don't preach grace enough and you don't preach it appropriately. And then what takes place is moralism and you start to look at passages like this and think 
but I don't feel the fullness of joy all the time. And I don't, I don't feel these blessings. I don't feel like the Lord is my chosen portion. I don't feel like he's holding me. I don't feel like these things are happening. What's wrong? What's wrong with me? And that tends to then lead to, well, it's because I'm not doing what it says I need to do in order to get there, right? We start to hear the morality that we are to live, and we start to think that our performance, then uh, I'm getting what I deserve for my performance. And so then we have our head hanging down, and then we start to think things like, well, why would God bless me? He shouldn't. I'm not that good. I'm not a good person. You know, so then you have these Christians who are just kind of like, I call them like Eeyore from Winnie mm-hmm. the Pooh, just moping around all the time and um, and struggles and these different things. And it becomes not the promise anymore, mm-hmm. right? Of So what I'm getting at is like, I have to remind myself every day, this is true in my life. But what gets in the way sometimes is me, is I don't allow to ex- myself to experience the fullness of joy because I'm putting it back on me. I'm saying Tim needs to be the Savior. No, Jesus is the Savior. I need to be reminded of grace. Um, and, and we're not pulling that out of nowhere in this passage, right? Uh, and uh, we went to Acts chapter 2 because in Acts chapter 2, uh, the sermon that Peter preaches after uh, the Holy Spirit comes down on them and they go out into the town and they're preaching the the uh, message that Peter gives, he quotes this psalm. He, yeah. he quotes Psalm 16, and he uses Psalm 16, and he actually says that David saw this, that David saw uh, Christ would come, and this is a messianic psalm of David proclaiming uh, that this is going to happen and this is going to take place. Um, and so what we have is we don't have like us three pastors in here saying, well, obviously this is Christ and because I mean, this is what it did. No, we have Peter saying it was yeah. Christ. The Bible telling us that Psalm 16 is talking about Christ, that he is uh, the one, because um, verse 9 says, Therefore my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. Peter takes that and he says, Christ rose because of Psalm 16. He had to. David saw this. He was the Holy One, sinless, perfect. And he could not see corruption. You killed him. But God the Father would not let him see corruption, so he rose. And then that's where he goes into Psalm 110, where he says he didn't just raise. He now ascended, and he's at the right hand of the Father, where all enemies are going to be made his, his at his feet, his footstool. right? And what Peter says is, David didn't do this. This isn't talking about David. David's dead. Let's go see him. right? All of David's enemies aren't at his feet. David's gone. That can't happen. It's Jesus that this is talking about. Mm-hmm. And this promise is for, for you because he ends up saying, repent, believe, trust in Christ. This is yours, right? This is your promise. And so that's why I, I, I tried to end the sermon kind of how you, what you were saying there, Scott, of, of reiterating, like, let's read the psalm again, understanding we are in Christ and all this is ours. Yeah. And so that is why we can proclaim these, we can proclaim these great truths that we have in there uh, boldly in the morning when we wake up or at night before we go to bed saying, I take refuge in you. It's like, I, I struggled with that during the day, right? I, I didn't always seek refuge in you, but I do take refuge in you. Why? Because Christ did it perfectly. And, and I'm in Christ. You are my Lord. And again, I can look at, I can look at myself and say, Tim, did you really serve God as your Lord all day? It's like, well, no, I let my uh, appetite get in the way. 
I let lust get in the way. I let pride get in the way. Like you could sit there and think of all these things, but what grace tells me is, but you are my Lord because you're, I'm in Christ, right? So you can go through that whole Psalm and just, it should be refreshing. That's what I hope, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like, this should be refreshing to us as we hear this of, it's not all on your shoulders. It was on Christ and he's finished it perfectly and completely. Mm-hmm. And we get to rest in that accomplished work uh, so that we can actually pray these psalms honestly. You are my Lord. I have chosen you. All this is in Christ, yes, mm-hmm. and I'm not perfect in it, but I have. Mm-hmm. And uh, I hope that it's refreshing to people because I know for me it's very refreshing because mm-hmm. it's easy for me to fall back into a moralistic way of living. And I'm not saying living morally is wrong. I should live morally. But I mean where that becomes my motivation, my goal, Mm -hmm. and what I think makes God happy about me Mm -hmm. is me being moral. And the motivation is is everything that there is. I mean, it's it's all in the motivation, I think, Mm -hmm. of like if your desire to live according to Psalm 15, say, like with all those restrictions or he who walks blamelessly and does what is right, speaks truth in his heart, who does not slander with his tongue— well, I mean, is God pleased when you slander with your tongue? Absolutely not. Right. But if you're trying to accomplish Psalm 15, if you're striving to live according to what you know pleases the Lord, but your motivation in that is to be right with him, is to gain a relationship with him that was broken, then that's that's not the right motivation because yeah. you can't do it clearly. Mm-hmm. But if your desire to do that is out of gratitude and thankfulness and love for the Lord— then that's that's a totally different scenario, right? It's that's the person who's resting in the truth of Psalm 16, which is that Christ has accomplished this for you, mm-hmm. right? So motivation to live that way, out of gratitude and thankfulness and a love for the Lord, that's that's a good, that's a good reason to want to be moral in your life, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I just, it's all in the motivation. Yeah. yeah, see, that's where it gets so touchy, right, as you try to teach this. Let's say parents to their kids, right? You you want to raise your kids in a way that they do good things. You know, um, obey your teacher. Uh, you know, obey mom and dad. Don't don't hit your brother. All these different things. We, we want them to be moral mm-hmm. uh, because the Bible teaches us to obey the Ten Commandments and to obey God and to, and to serve him. So we do have that. But I think what happens, though, is we tend to just do that. And we fail to fully grasp the grace of God and what he's done. And, and we're, I think, maybe afraid sometimes to tell our kids, you know, that God, he loves you perfectly, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's because we we struggle with that. Yep, we we struggle, like, with our children when they don't live up to our standard. We do see them different at times. Mm-hmm. We're not as happy with them. Mm-hmm. We're not as happy to be around them. And we then portray that, though, at times to our kids or or as we're uh, teaching a Sunday school class or uh, preaching, we can start portraying that to our people is that God is like us, right? Uh, yeah, he forgives you, but he's he's still a little upset about it, Yeah, <laughs> you know, until you sh- shape up. Mm-hmm. And that's just not that's just not what we what we have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know for me, it's even hard for me to grasp that. It's hard for me to live in that. I have to be reminded of that. Because even in my sin, it's like, but God loves me. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't love myself. I know you don't. <laughs> mm-hmm. But God does love you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's probably going to be a lot of that in your life of you saying, but I don't even like myself right now because I know I shouldn't be doing this and I am. It's like, yeah, but 
I want you to know Christ died for you, mm-hmm. sinner. Mm-hmm. Take it, be forgiven, mm-hmm. right? Grasp that, hold to that promise because it's it's true. And I think what you find, at least for me, is living in light of that, grace doesn't make me want to sin more. As I grasp grace more, it makes me want to honor him more, mm-hmm. actually. It does the opposite effect. We're not going to have a, a church full of hooligans just sinning and sinning and sinning, saying, but grace is abounding. Mm-hmm. I think instead, as you grasp that great love and grace of God and what he's done for you in your life through Christ, it makes you want to be holy, as it tells us in Peter. It be makes, holy. It makes you want to strive. Yeah. It makes you want to work hard yeah. to do that. But mm-hmm. again, it's the motivation of... Mm-hmm. I'm not working hard to gain a works righteousness. Yeah. I'm working hard out of out of a, a motivation of thankfulness yeah. and desire and love for the Lord. And that's right. so freeing because I, I know for me, I always think people don't like me. That's my first thought all the time. It's probably true. Probably. That's fine. <laughs> but that's, yeah. And so you live a life trying to please people. Hmm. But eventually what will work in my mind is... Why am I trying to please them? They don't even like me anyways. And I don't even have a good reason to think they don't like me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And so then my motivation, because I'm not going to help them. But for the people who I'm like, they like me, they love me, and they care for me, you tend to want to love them back, to serve them, and to honor them. And it's and even when you disappoint them, you don't think, I've disappointed them, and they're going to leave. You know what I mean? I disappointed them, now they're just not going to like me anymore. There's none of that. Where honestly, as pastors, I think if we're all honest, I think we would all struggle with that with church members. Mm. right is if I disappoint these people what they're going to do is leave because there's a thousand other options in Monroe County where they could go and and so there's this worry all all the time and I got to be honest it's it's a horrible place to live it's a horrible place to be mm-hmm. and when we start to portray that to God man just so mm-hmm. guilt-ridden and mm-hmm. shame-ridden of a life that we shouldn't that we shouldn't have because mm-hmm. that's not the God that we that we serve he's the one who's never leaving us He's never forsaking us. Even the bad thing that you did or said or saw, he's not leaving you. He's not forsaking you. He still loves you the same. He cares for you. Christ died for you. And for me, that gives me motivation like we're talking about to say, well, then let's get back at it. <laughs> let's let's keep, keep honoring him and serving him. Yeah. And that takes instruction mm-hmm. to do. I mean, like you brought up like the, the how we raise our kids. And I mean, kids need to be taught and we need to be taught what that is it was funny i was um we had our youth summer discipleship course yesterday uh, before evening service and one of the questions in our study was why why people live in sin like why do people continue to live in sin and one of the one of the things that got brought up was the fact of like well maybe just maybe people have never been taught that something is sinful Right. And maybe they've just never been taught that that's not a good way of doing things. Right. If they have a like not a Christian background whatsoever or don't haven't never read the Bible, don't understand any of that. And so just the idea of like even just teaching people like the simple things, the basic instruction of, okay, yeah, great. You want to live a life that honors the Lord because you're thankful for what he's done for you. Well, you need to be instructed in how to do that. But it's difficult to maintain that balance, like you were talking about, of doing it in a way that's motivated by grace and not simply by, you know, a guilt-ridden conscience the whole time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think it's hard because we we play we put conditions on ourselves. Okay, you know, if I'm gonna, you know, um, feel joy or whatever, I have to, 
you know, get my, you know, get, get things right or, or, you know, clean up my life and do this, you know, and we put conditions on others, you know, and we put conditions on God. And yet we're taught in scripture, the word that's used over and over again is agape, unconditional love for God so loved the world, you know, all, all what we know. And yeah, that's hard. We know it, but yet it's hard to live that out because we say, oh yeah, I know God loves me. I know this person loves me, but I'm going to put a condition on it. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to push back on that just because we, again, we struggle so much. And I think what you said was right on. It's like we project onto God things that are not true yeah. or others, you, yeah. know, you know, or ourselves. So, and that's why I think it's important, you know, what I tried to close with in Philippians, uh, in Philippians, uh, was it Philippians? Yeah, Philippians 4, uh, verse 8 and 9 about mm. whatever is true, whatever yeah. is right, whatever is no, these things think about. Yep. These things ponder, right? These are the things that we need to uh, to talk about and the things that need to be on our on our lips often, especially especially as a church family, when we gather together and when we're together with each other. Because the outside world is very negative. It's very hard. It's very difficult, definitely. And we live in that world. And I'm not saying we, we are to be ignorant of that noise. Uh, but there's a reason why God tells us to think about these good things. Uh, number one, I think it helps us to see God better of who he is, right? Remind each other that God loves you. Mm-hmm. God cares for you. We need to hear that stuff. Uh, but also remind each other, I love you as my brother and sister in the Lord, and you love me uh, because we're in Christ and he's brought us here together. Remind each other of the great blessings. You know, remember, brothers and sisters, we have a fullness of joy in Jesus. Don't let this stuff wear you down. Yeah, it's hard and it's difficult, but hold to that joy. Right, fight for that joy, and I think we need to, we need to hear about that. We need to, we need to be uh, reflecting that as much as possible to one another because this is, the world will weigh you down, no doubt. And you, if you just sit in that and think about that, you know, I worry about that sometimes with people who struggle with like depression and anxiety and stuff because they tend to then just be with people who struggle with depression, anxiety. And what do they talk about their depression and anxiety, which is real. I'm not, I'm not denying that, mm-hmm. but it's almost like, you know what, maybe you should go to the half full group though today, mm-hmm. <laughs> like just hear about them yeah. in the good, because you need to think about that in your own life of the good of what Christ has done yeah. and what he is, is he is doing. Cause I can, in the middle of night, like if I ever wake up in the middle of the night, Satan does a great job of attacking me in the middle of the night, mm. three in the morning or whatever. It's like mm. every bad thought comes to your mind, worthless. This is going to fa- fail. This is going to fall. Mm. Right. And it's such a dark place. Mm. It's such a dark place to be. And we need to, again, just be reminded of what David is talking about here of the blessings that God has given us. And as Peter points out, he's given us this in Christ. Um, and so we have to, I think reflect on this, on this often, you know, um, I think would be, would be healthier Mm. for us as, as Christians, as David's pointing out. Well, anything else? I think it's really good, you know, because you're right. I mean, it's, we gravitate toward people. Maybe if we're struggling with something or whatever, like you said, anxiety, depression, you know, or some loss. Yeah. And, and that's good because you need to have, you know, um, where that sense of like, Oh, I get that. You know, I, Mm -hmm. I know, but, we also need to have be around people that say, well, help us remi- remember like, hey, you know, yes, this happened, but also look at all the good things that God is doing just to give us that perspective because we get stuck in ourselves. Mm-hmm. We're our worst enemies. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think our, out of the three enemies, the flesh, the world, the devil, I think the flesh is the, 
hardest, it grips the hardest, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, um, and we need to get out of ourselves because ourselves is, we get stuck, we get stuck in our, in, in the rut, if mm-hmm. you will. And so having other people's perspective and people's positive, you know, uh, joy or just positivity is very good for us because if we're in that stuck in that, because it pulls us out of that, out of ourselves and helps us like, kind of like what I said in my sermon, we get stuck in our little, our little S the little story. Yeah. And God wants us to get into the bigger mm-hmm. story. Like the exiles were like stuck yeah. and they're hearing all this false things from these false preachers and they're like, Oh yeah, yeah. Why is this happening? And God wanted them to see the bigger story. And I think that's so important in order for us to have that joy, that fullness of joy. Yeah, and yeah. sadly, I think a lot of people don't want to get unstuck. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you're right. Really, what that is is that's a form of pride in their mm. own life, yeah. right? That they won't let go. It's just another sin. It's you know you see it with people who like lose a, a loved one mm-hmm. of, of uh, they feel guilty for any joy yeah. because it's like if I show any joy, then it's like I don't care that my husband died. Mm-hmm. It's like no, that's. That's not it. It's like, so you're just going to wallow in grief and pity mm-hmm. for the rest of your life. That's actually a prideful thing because God doesn't want you to stay in that. And actually, as Christians, I think most of the time we do a really good job with that because almost every funeral I've ever been to that is like a strong Christian funeral, the same thing is said. They're with Christ now, you know? And yeah, we need to remind each other of that in those instances. It's like, this hurts us and it's sad. But they are with Christ. They are better. Mm-hmm. They have finished the race. The prize and inheritance is theirs. Mm-hmm. They've seen it. They've and the the then we don't sit and wallow in this. It's hard. Yes, don't get me wrong. There's gonna be times you cry. That's okay. God loves you. Um, but you still have joy because you're in Christ. You know, you're promised to see them again. Like I know this is stuff we all know, but it's promises that. I think as Christians, we do do a decent job of saying when somebody dies, but it can just become words at times because we hear it so much, but it's like, nope, these are the promises mm-hmm. of this is good news, yeah. right? Um, and this is why we have hope and why we can have peace. Um, and I would, I don't know about you, but I would never want that for like a family member of mine if I pass. It's like, I don't want you to sit and wallow and pity for me mm-hmm. forever. Mm-hmm. You know, I want you, like my kids, I want you to live your life and get married and have kids and enjoy your life i yeah be sad i'm gone i guess (laughs) but uh yeah and so i don't know i think we're chasing a rabbit a little bit but uh it is a it is a form of pride i think that we have to get over and that's Mm -hmm. why god has put us with the church family is to is to help us and to draw us out and the way that we do that as a church family isn't by like our own strength it's by reminding each other of the promises what david is talking about here Mm -hmm. the blessings and the good and I know for me in my preaching, that's something I'm trying to do better at because for me, it's very easy. It is so easy to preach legalistically. That is easy. I don't even need to study for that. I don't need to, <laughs> that is easy. It comes naturally. But to f- force myself to always be preaching Christ, him crucified, his finished work, rest in that, right, mm-hmm. brothers? Rest in in that uh, because I think that is what the Bible tells us gives gives life and that's what we need and that's what people need um and so i'll do my best to continue to to do that all right well uh next week we'll be in psalms as well we hope to uh see you uh next week at church i know it's summer and things are busy people are trying to 
squeak in visits to the lake one more time or, you know, little vacations, which is fine. I, I hope people enjoy that. But if you're home, you know, if you're in, in Monroe or whatever, I hope that you are coming and attending church. Don't don't let Satan uh, trick you and lie to you that hey, you don't need to go. Just hang out by the pool today. No, come come to church. Uh, be a part of our church family so that we can encourage each other, uh, hear the word of God together, uh, grow in Christ uh, together. And so we hope we see you uh, this coming Sunday. But until then, we hope that you have a, a great week. God bless.